0: My guest today is Kathy Bowers. She is a parenting, teen, and life coach and founder of Life Life Change Coaching. She has helped parents for over a decade, teens, families overcome their challenges. And she's very passionate about helping families and really offering support and guidance, especially in this post-COVID area. She's had over 20 years working in social care and children's services, and there she supported many families directly in their home and parenting issues, behavioral challenges, and just really preserving the family unit. I am so excited to have this conversation with her today. Thank you so much, Kathy, for joining me.
1: Thank you, Sarah. I'm very happy to be here.
0: So tell us a little bit more. I know I I gave a brief introduction, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about you and how you started uh, Life Change Coaching.
1: Well, I'm a parent, firstly, of three children who are now adults. So I'm a grandma twice over, which is great. Um, I've worked all my career from the age of 16 till when I left in 2020 with children and families. I started off as a nursery nurse working in schools and nurseries and private nannying and agency work and it was always to do really with direct work with families to improve their relationship with their children through play, through everything they did, you know, just to help and support. And over the years, the last 20 years, I then went from the private nurseries. I wanted to get into social care because there was more teeth I could get into, as it were. And Mm -hmm. I got in there for 20 years. And the first time I did it, it was just helping families out, maybe for for weeks, no more. It was just a little bit of preventative. Our families were stuck. They wanted some help, maybe putting routines in, setting boundaries, just basic stuff. But the social workers were looking at our team. We had 29 of us then, but I was one, the top senior. And they were looking at us thinking, oh, these these people, are, these family practitioners can be really helpful for us because they can do our work. They can be our eyes and our ears. And they can go in far more often than we could do because they were only going to see a family once a month. Well, we went in every week. So they'll thought, oh, get these people in and then they can write up reports and share it in our reports that go to the court. So we ended up then getting the really severe um, high end case families who have had the same thing going on, but it had been repeated by maybe four, five, six children, and. six um, children it was difficult because they didn't sell us very well they more or less said to the families if you don't work with these family support practitioners it's your last chance and we'll take your kids away and I went well we don't work like that and we're not you know statutory like you are you go to the courts you can issue where you know people have to work want to work with us so I said to the families no I'll work with you if you're willing to work with me yes I do share information so you know I'm going to be upfront about what I share um but I'm not going to twist your arm or stab you in the back as it were so I had a completely different relationship with the um the families. And they were still, in a way, looking for me to give them the answers, you know. And it's like anybody, if you give them something that you agree with, you'll do it. But if you give them something, a suggestion that they're not interested in doing, they won't. So they weren't really progressing as quickly as I hoped they would. And I trained as a a performance coach in 2018. And I brought that into the mix with me. And I just said, right, from now on, I'm not telling you what to do I'm not advising you it's now going to be all in your lap your full responsibility because you are the parents so you know I'll ask you questions and direct you but it's down to you what work you put in and they still got a bit grumpy at first and thought well, oh, don't really like this but I said well let's you know, give it a shot and a good 70 percent made that change which was brilliant because they had so many going on they had addictions they had mental health you name it they had financial trouble um poor relationships but they knew they had to sort themselves out first because I said to them you're blaming things on your children but it's not really your children because you're offering the guidance and if you can't get up and so you know because you've drunk bottles of booze the night before and you're slumped out on the couch and you can't get your children even to school there's lots of things that you need to start doing first like and also if you've got mental health issues and you're not coping you need to get yourself off to the GP you need to get yourself support for yourself so once they realised and they did that it was so much easier for them and they realized that I was there to help them and you know offer guidance to a degree but um So it was going well. But what had happened in the past was I used to be able to go with families and if they needed me for six months, fine, or four weeks or longer, like a year, year and a half, I could do that. But the system changed. and They now said, no, you work six weeks only with any of the families and then you're out. And I thought, but they're so entrenched. I wouldn't share my problems with you. And I know you, you know. In six weeks, how do you expect them to trust? Because they've had maybe 10 social workers in one year. So, how can they trust that I can come in and say, Oh, six weeks and we're out? So, they said, Well, okay, it could maybe be another two, three weeks added on. And I said, What happens then? They said, Really, you're just ticking that box and then you're going to send them somewhere else that they don't need that support. And um, I got so disillusioned and um, I lasted out for about six years. And I just said to the families, I I don't like what's going on here. I can do far more with my coaching, my life coaching, parenting, if I was just to go. So I took the um, decision 2020, end of the year, just to go and try and start my business. But I'm not IT (laughs) And I was doing all sorts of things like because I dropped from a salary um like 30 grand a year down to a pension and I was trying to save money, didn't know what to do. And um I thought, oh, and the, I got some people saying they were doing stuff and when I gave them money and I got ripped off and I thought, oh God, what's going on? So eventually, um, through networking, I thought I better get someone who can help me and just have to dig the hands in and swallow and pay up so I did this and this lady well she was wonderful she was laughing though she said Kathy you've got all the balls up in the air in the circle they're just not connected <laughs> that's why you're not getting anywhere I went, oh. yeah. <laughs> okay so she helped me through that and kept on saying do things gradually which is what I've been doing and then I think I've tweaked my website a couple of times but I thought I still need it still need to tweak it and um so I got someone who knew about it, and he was great. He's just finished sort of really saying, well, do that. Because I said, like, the GPR wasn't on there. I said, I thought I'd put it on. But he's, he said, no, no, you've got to do this, this, and this. And I sudden, I don't know. And SEOs. And <laughs> so I said, just get on with it and do it. So um, hence why, you know, my site is all up and running now. And I think, yeah, great. Because I want I want to work with parents, which is a different thing without the problems they come with me because they're ready now they've tried things like I used to try things with my kids and you get to a point where sometimes you try something you keep repeating it and you're not getting anywhere it's like hitting that brick wall and you need someone to help you just a little bit to give you another insight through and that's what I do through my coaching sessions so individually um, set so there's only one parent at a time because everyone's an individual, and there might be clashes with that parenting. So you're just saying, Okay, if you want to split the, the thing, it's like six sessions over three months of two hour sessions. So if you want to split it, that's fine, it's up to you. Or if you want to hire, get another package with me, so you're doing it. Um, so it's parents who now really want to the base best thing is communication how to communicate better with their children because that's without communication you're not going to get anywhere and then we look at the communication we look at what's going on for the parents first you know, I mean everyone seems to be working as well as running a family. So you've got the pressure of work, the demand of work. Some people bring their work home, so they're not in that right space, they're not in that frame of mind. They're they're juggling so many balls up trying to do things. And you can't, you haven't your energy runs out. And you're just sort of rolling on in the motions, but you're all getting into bad habits. It's the same thing with everyone's on the mobiles now, you know, parents, yes. young, young kids, you know, kids who are going to infant school. Why do they need a mobile? Who are they chatting to? Because it's only mum and dad or grandma looking after them. They haven't got a big circle of friends and the schools take the phones off them when they're in there. So why give your child this phone? You know, so it's all sorts of things like that that are impacting on family life. And parents seem to be afraid of they think they're getting it wrong if they say no to their child if they start putting the boundaries and the routines which they have routines in school that's how the school runs and it works and we have routines in everyday life and routines as adults going to work so it's nothing new we have to offer that guidance and teach children and you know how things should be and be there for them but it's it's just a Lots of families used to say to me, Oh, I don't want to tell tell so and so off because I want her to be my friend. And Mm -hmm. I said, "Ah, You're the parent. You know, when they get in their 20s or 30s, you consider friendship there, but you'll still always be number one parent first. Yes.
0: (laughs) You know, yes. Uh, Thank you for sharing. What an incredible story. And what going back to when you were working in social work, I, I agree with you, you know you were building trust and that yeah. takes time trust takes time and yeah. i i love that you had really the parents best interest because that is really kind of the why of my podcast so i'm i'm thrilled to have you on the show because i really my thing is i'm trying to help parents so that they can do better, you know, like we've got to fix here before we can really work, you know, with our kids. And, you know, their kids, I always say kids are watching, they're listening, you know, all those things. And so, you know, teaching, teaching parents to, to role model what they want to see in their kids. And, and that goes along with the communication piece. So what is what what are the first steps that you take to really restoring that harmony and that balance? And I also really like the fact that you work with the different parents individually, because, you know, depending on their background and how they were raised, I know, you know, I came from a big family my husband came from a big family and so we were always you know I thought okay this is going to be good you know we've got similar backgrounds but I will say like John's family and none of this is right or wrong I'm not but he they were strict they were more strict I probably had you know a routine and um For me, I was one of four and there's eight years between my siblings and myself. So even though I was one of four, uh, you know, they, my, my, my siblings will tell you, my parents were very different with them than they were with me and, uh, Uh, So I, I came from a little bit more of a laid back background. So I'm sure that that's that that's something, you know, what what the parents bring into, you know, to the family dynamic based on what their life was like, you know, before and how they were disciplined or barriers and and so on. So what's what's that first step?
1: Well, the first thing is not to compare yourself with other families, because. Everyone is individual. Your family is individual from the neighbour. You've all got different personalities within that family situation. So it's a mixing bowl of colours, if you like. And therefore, you've got to consider your children. They're all individuals. They all have different interests um, some are more sensitive than others. Some are more independent and outgoing. So that all has to be considered in the mix, and also their ages and their abilities. Because again, you get some really fast learners that want to do something. You have someone that might have a special needs thing or or anything. And so you have to consider from the word go their ages when you're um, trying to communicate with them. Um, the first thing you do also, which We as adults forget when we ask our child to do something. Doesn't matter if they're little or they're teenagers. We'll give in one sentence, probably five or six different instructions, and the kids go. It all comes like you're throwing it at them, and they go, and they're sort of sitting there trying to work it out. Like, well, that's that. That's that. When when do I? And so they're still thinking about it, and we as adults want a response. Immediately, do it now. And they're thinking, "Well, I don't know which one to do," so they don't, you know. But then we get really sort of uptight about it, and we throw out our, sort of our voice gets louder. And I did demonstrations to parents. I used to say, "I've just watched you do this to your child who's six. You just said da 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 da. da. So right now, I want you to do this, 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 this. and this." This parent was sitting on the yeah. couch going, "What?" And I said, well, "Which one are you going to do? When are you going to do it now?" like, I said yes she said Kathy you're making me panic and I said well what do you think you're doing to your little ones you know and then you then you go in and you think they're being rude or disobedient and they're not they just have become overwhelmed so you just give them one instruction and you let them take it in think about it And then you you can check with them said have you understood what I've said? Because they might not necessarily understand what you've asked them. So keep it short. Keep it simple. And if necessary, guide them. It's like there's so many times parents say to this child, your room's a mess. Go and tidy it. Well, wouldn't it be better just come in with them and say, look, oh, this room's a bit of a mess. I tell you what, where would you like me to help you start clearing it? And direct me and let them say, oh, can you help me with that? Okay. so and then you can say, make it fun. You can say, right, how long do you think this is going to take us? Should we should we time ourselves? Should we just see how much? See if I'm quicker than you and you're quicker than me. And they love it. And it's it becomes like a game. And the more you do it, they start thinking, I've got to tidy in my room anyway. So they will do it on their own eventually, but it's not a big task. It's not you've ordered them in there to do it on their own. And if their room's a
0: mess, it's overwhelming for them. Yes, I would agree. I love that. So what I hear you saying is one task at a time and mm-hmm. make sure that they understand and 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 let and kind of let them kind of guide you too. Like where would you like to start? Because then it's like a partnership. Yes. Instead of, you know, I'm telling you what to do, you know, it's like let's partner in this. And and it I think that shows some support too, you know, that okay, they're they're gonna support me. And oh. and then I would imagine too that over time, then they'll start to be able to do it on their own. And I love the game idea. We used to do that all the time. Like my son was not a fan of taking a shower, and I've mentioned yeah, this. Well,
1: in my, <laughs> yeah,
0: I've mentioned this in podcasts. So I would say to him, you know, you know, we talk about what he needed to do in the shower, and I would say, let's time you. And mm-hmm. and part of the reason I did that was this isn't going to take a long time, so let's let's see. And then we would have fun each time it was a shower to see you know, could he shave off time and, you know, but of course, Trying to get things done, and so we still joke now about. I think the the shortest he got was the ninety second shower, and um, and so you know I joke with him even now as an adult, you know about the ninety second shower. So yeah, he he loved that, and and I think fine and he was really big on time and numbers. So it's also probably finding what your child is into. Maybe it could be like let's pick up everything that is blue or let's start with things that are red you know like if your kids are really into colors I, I don't know I, that just came to my mind or shapes and things because you're you're encouraging
1: them to visualize you're encouraging them to use their different parts of their brain to realize things and it's great it's like Maths, isn't it? Give them a find. Is there anything in here that you can see that's you know triangle or what's square or oblong? And it's just and then how many of those were pink or blue that you you just collected in that moment of you know those seconds? And um, it's also very important as well to be um, take each day differently because I mean I used to wake up sometimes with my three kids and I used to think I've had a hell of a day the day before. And I just think, oh, God, is it going to be the same again? And and I suddenly realised what was happening was my body language, when they saw me, was giving that off. So they weren't even prepared to change. They thought, oh, she thinks, mum thinks I'm going to do this. Well, I might as well just continue on doing it. And it was so common. When I look back at the families as well, it was the same thing. I said, we wake up and we're getting out of bed like a bear with a sore head and we're greeting our children that way. And we don't even say, hello, how are you? Did you sleep? Well, it's like immediately this face comes on or the tone of voice is wrong. And no wonder they, they just say, well, why bother?
0: You and know, it's nice. like. No, go ahead. I was just going to say like, that's an yeah, amazing it's observation.
1: Like, it's like um, our body language. when When we ask children to do things for us. And then we're not consistent. That's another thing parents aren't. We're not consistent. So we're giving the mixed messages all the time. So if we say, do this, do that, and we respond, and then another time we don't, or we're not listening to them, they will come over. I mean, a little baby will come over with a toy. And you if you're on the phone, if you're doing this on the set, you're doing that and watching the TV, and and they come up and they want you to play, and they might put, a say, like a car they've got on, on their lap, And you go, hmm, very nice. But you're not really giving them their eye contact. Mm -hmm. And then they come again. And you go, hmm, you're very nice. And they start to realise, hold on. So next thing, they might bash you with it. And you go, oh, why have you done that? You know, not realising. They're wanting your attention. And if the only way they can do it is by being annoying or making a noise or hitting their sibling, they will do that to get your attention. And that's when the bad habits start. Or you get the children who go into themselves and they think, well, I'm not getting anything from here. I'm not getting any smiles. I'm not getting any responses, which is common if you're suffering depression. So they withdraw. They self-soothe themselves. And we don't see what's happening if they're little until much later on when they start acting out, you know, in school and things. And because that's all they've ever done is self-soothe themselves
0: because you haven't been available Yes, and I, that you know we we when you talk about communication, it's it's nonverbal too. So I I hear you saying that you really have to monitor your nonverbal and in addition to you know the words you say and i would add to that too like even just the tone of your voice i i remember meeting a mom once and she was from the south and 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 she had this beautiful just southern accent and i thought to myself how does she yell at her children <laughs> But she had great kids, you know, so it, it, uh, you know, you learn maybe when you need to raise it, lower it, you know, and, and I love that making eye contact. And I know... Oh, I know sometimes there are times, like, especially with a toddler, this is hard to do, but I would say sometimes if I, especially for those that are working, you know, and they're, they're trying to get a task done, I would say, you know, it's, it's almost Benjamin time. And, you know, I would say this is going to be Benjamin time and and I would try to break it up too so that they understood as soon as I'm done with this task, then it's going to be Benjamin time. But I hear what you're saying. And because kids will respond to negative reinforcement, just like they do positive. And if they're getting negative reinforcement, even if it's Um, it's it's reinforcement either way so then they Mm -hmm. learn if I bite my sister if I hit you if I throw this toy that's how the way I need to communicate in order to get your attention
1: it's also how parents communicate with their children if they're aggressive if they you know they the children don't want that coming at them but it's their mom and dad so they put up with so much so many if they're slapped or if they're shouted at or if they're dragged or if they're pushed, you know, it's it's terrifying because you've got this adult three times your size doing all this and the voice and the anger and the rage comes out, but they still want their mummy and daddy and they are so forgiving. But it's it's really gives these mixed messages up, you know, and the communication we, we start from when they're babies and it's all to do with playing with them, get down. Adults, I don't know what happens. We get to a certain age and some of us don't want to play anymore. We think, oh, that's childish. No, you can be a child. You can let that imagination of yours go, that tension go when you're playing with your children. And you learn and you see things through the child's eyes. It's fun because they're into this new world. Everything is new and they're experiencing different things, textures, sounds. And let them guide you, you know, get into it, get on the floor with them or play with them and and play with their toys or their dinosaurs and they'll direct you and say, oh, put that train over there and we we'll turn it around. Oh, what's happened? Oh, that's broken down. Or you have to get something. And this language, you're helping them with their language development. You're helping them with their concentration, everything, and building their confidence and their trust, their trust in you that they can rely on you to always have their back and that communication has to start young has to be built and it's it's that loving parenting guidance and that bond that you're building all the time so that when your children are getting to the teenage years and they're struggling they could still come and say hey mum dad how are you? I'm, well, I'm having a bit of a problem here. I'm, you know, I'm an adolescent. I've got a crush on a girl. I'm not doing too well at school. I'm, everyone else seems to be sporty and they look all musty. Look at me. I'm, you know, so I'm not dressed the right way. Or I look like a wimp. You know, will I have a... And then some of them, even teenagers, they start worrying about getting a job. How am I going to get a job, they say. How am I going to support a family when we've got kids? And I say, hold on a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Have you got a girlfriend yet? No, but I, I'm worried about all this pressure for outside and I'm still at school and it's, there's so much. So parents can really help their teenagers to sort of go through the steps slowly and not panic.
0: I know there's a, a I remember recently with a teenage boy and the mother and I've known him for years and, uh, She said, you know, every time he comes home from school, you know, I try to engage in conversation and he just wants to go and just get in his room. And so in regards to communication and teens, because I love that we're going in that direction. How do you, you know, instead of just saying, how was your day? Like, What do you advise families in really trying to build that communication and that trust, because I tell kids and parents all the time, you're like, your parents are one of your best resources, you know? And of course, I, I also, you know, if there's other adults in their, in their lives that they can turn to, that's wonderful too. But, you know, so what would you say to that mom? Who's like, I, I, you know, I, I don't know what to say to him to really get him to engage in conversation with me.
1: Well, how, how we talk to teenagers are very different from our little ones because we're we're guiding them, we're giving instructions. But teenagers want to be considered as adults as part of, they've got things to say. So you have to really know them. You have to get to understand their interests, you know, what they're really into, whether it's a sporty thing. Try and do hobbies with them. Try and get involved with them. Encourage them if they've got friends let their friends come around you know because if they feel their friends can't come they won't come but also if they're getting in a wrong crowd they won't bring their friends home so it's keeping them safe it's keeping them aware of things like that but not nagging them don't nag them give them their own space but actually say to them as well I could really do with your help because you're so good I mean great with my ones you're so good at IT could you help me sort this out because I haven't got a clue and they love it they love how you ask them but it's not the nagging it's not I've told you so you have to really step back and you can say to them if they come in I see you've you seem like you've had a bit of a hard day what can I do to help just plant it in there and step back a little bit and just say, I am here for you whenever you want to chat, if you want a moment. But this always um, starts off with quality time. You have quality time from your children from a very young age, even if it's 10, 15 minutes out of the day in the evening. And if the teenagers are older, you can set a quality time when the others are in bed. And it's knowing that they know you have that special time with you. And then obviously you have a sibling time, you get everyone together and you all do things. But it's that quality time is vital because
0: that's how you grow that relationship
1: with each other.
0: I, I read recently too, like even... You know, I'm always trying to encourage people to read. And I, this just came to my mind. Like another thing is maybe reading a book that they're reading, even let's say it's for school or, or for fun, and then like almost do like a little mini book book clubs with the lack of a better term. Yeah, but just, talk, yeah. Talk about, uh, the book that you're reading together. I, I, I think, or, or maybe it's a different, something different if if they're interested in music yeah. or sports or, you know, again, individually finding out what they really like to do. And, um, and then I also try to tell parents too, like when you do say, Hey, if you ever, you know, I'm here for you, don't always have to have all the answers sometimes kids just want to be heard and um and i i think that's important to remember too or just maybe they just need a hug you know maybe they don't want to really tell you everything right now and give them time you know come out yeah yeah and then and just give them you know maybe they just need a hug it's very interesting because i think that we again it's like it's hard as a parent you want you don't want to be that friend um you, you want that good relationship but and you want to
1: protect them but you see they're making a mistake and as an adult I think oh no no they're going the wrong way but that's how they learn as long as they're not going to self-harm or harm somebody else you have to let them because they've got to learn oh that didn't go well well then you say well what can you do differently so you're learning but if everything is there and we're what they call helicopter parenting, going in on them and doing it all the They're not going to learn. Right? They're just going to, oh, they won't have confidence in themselves or anything. So you have to really, it's a fine balance. And also having um, the routines and the house rules, get everyone involved and say to your teenagers, right, these are the house rules. I want everyone that can speak to, to add to them, you know, what's going on. Don't have many, have maybe four. And the value of things like, I mean, my ones I did was not going into each other's rooms and helping yourself to each other's things without asking because one of my things I still remember, my neighbour came back from Italy with a beautiful bottle of a really expensive perfume, and I put it in the drawer and left it. And then my son, who was I think he was about six or seven, he went into the room to get out his mummy's jumper, which was a floppy red soft jumper and he used to put it on and he said, oh I'm getting the cover loved it and then he obviously went exploring and he found the bottle of perfume and he opened it up and he put it on his head and he dropped the whole lot all over my jumper and he came down and I went what is that beautiful smell and I just went oh no oh no and I said have you been in mummy's room Oh, it's just lovely. And I realised, because I didn't recognise it, I went upstairs and there was this empty bottle of perfume. Oh, no. <laughs> Never had it, You know, and I just, and I he used to go in and take bits of jewellery that he liked and there was one thing I had, it was quite funny, it was a crystal I was given when I was seven um, from a friend of my mum's who went to Africa and it was a beautiful, beautiful crystal. And he said, here you are. This is for you. He pet, look after it because it's worth a lot of money. And I just went, Oh, it's lovely. Well, my youngest thought he used to love it. He's got lines. Mm-hmm. So he took it, but then he dropped it and he, he broke a bit off. And I, because I, I didn't use it, I didn't see it for ages. And all of a sudden, he's it was about four or five years later, he bought me a crystal, which wasn't anything like it and it had like a a plain black uh, back on it so it wasn't really projecting that and I said oh strange why have you got me that and he said because of this and he showed me the other thing I said you've had it all this time he said yeah I I chipped it I broke it so that's why I've given you this and I, I thanked him for it but I said but you you knew that was wrong did you and he said yeah and I said, and you've had it for years. I've had it for years.
0: I know on his mind, I, I keep thinking yeah. that he's thinking yeah. about this at what point do I do I tell her? And and that's I think that's a great example of, you know, we set these boundaries and these routines to teach them, you know, yes. and and really, like you said, to build confidence and and it's love. I mean it, you know, it really is showing love because when kids have some limits and those boundaries, they feel more secure versus everything is just you know out there and um and so yes, I I, I think that we just have to realize that, this is M O M doesn't have to mean me no mom. <laughs> what it means is we are doing this to to teach you so that you learn to respect other people's properties. For example, in in this um in this example, uh the same with for kids, like one of our rules was uh that if you you know, we loved having the friends over, but we needed to be home, you know, especially yes. when they were teenagers. And it was didn't mean that we didn't trust them or this and that, but you know, it's it, I wanted to get to know the kids that they were hanging out, get to know the families because that you know was especially in those teenagers they're not always with us. So who 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 you know, is the rest of the village? Yeah, who's yeah. the rest of the village? You know, and what are they about? So that you know, it gives you an opportunity to also have lessons you know especially if well so and so gets to do this at his house you know what I'm trying to say so. but I think that um, it, it can be different I mean I'm sure you know with your children and families would agree too you know the way that you manage I mean you want you want things to be again those boundaries those limits etc routine but then you also know that there might be variations in how you communicate with your different children. Because well,
1: children. it's their age and their understanding. I mean, I had um, one, obviously, about when my kids were getting older, coming, if they were out, I expected them to come back at a certain time. Um, I, also to be contactable. So I I knew, um, and this was they didn't have the we didn't have mobiles then, so I needed to know the address where they were I needed to know the landline where the families were and I checked up on it because they could be telling me something different and I thought no I'm going to check up on this you know just to make sure and um, so they had all this and what was funny was my youngest went off to a party and he was 14 and he was going off to, I said, are you sure you're going? He said, I'm going off to this party. So I went, okay, fine. So I said, you know what time to be back? You know, sort of about, will give you half 10 and you come back. And um, he said, okay, that's fine. So anyway, he went to this party and it had been put out on the internet. So the house suddenly got a couple of hundred people coming to this house. Wow. And they were 18 plus Mm. so they were bringing drugs real booze everything into their house oh no my son looked round and he started to feel really uncomfortable so he thought so he went into the room to ask the parents if they could just phone to ask me to come and um collect him and the parents were drunk and he said well can i phone no you can't phone so he said, oh what do i do now so then he went over to his friend whose party it was and said, I've got to leave now because I have to be home at a certain time. And if I don't, I'm going to get grounded. So he used one of those house rules to get to save face. And he got out, and it took him a good hour and a half to walk back, but he got in. Aww. And the next day, he was so pleased because the place was raided and apparently it got really bad in in the house and the party from it but he wow. said i'm so happy that this rule and he said
0: <laughs> said so it does work then does it?" he says, yeah it does it does and and i would encourage families too to really then you know, praise that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, because number one, they feel confident in how they solved the problem. He solved the problem. He would, he used his rules and boundaries, which, you know, Mm -hmm. are in place and respected that. And then, you know, you know that, okay, yes, then you could, you could talk about how, you know, what a good choice he made. And, uh, and, and that, that's a wonderful story. Thank you for sharing that. It's, it's, uh, I remember as the kids got older, we started changing our language a little bit to, well, especially when they were off to college, uh, we we would say, well, tell me, what, what do you think you want to do about that? You know, instead of running to the rescue, we would say, "Wow, you know, I'm I'm sorry that that you know that's happening. What uh, What do you think you'd like to do? You know, to fix this or to do this or that. And you know, it 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 made them have to kind of stand on their own two feet, but they knew we were there to support them. Yes, I you know? yeah, feel. Yes, yeah, so I I think that. Um, but I love too that. You know, first and foremost, it's not too late if you have a teenager, and I think you would agree. But really establishing that relationship at a young age, I would imagine then as they get older, then they, it's, it's, it's solidified. But certainly, again, if, if, you, if you feel like you need to build more of that trust and that harmony, it, it's certainly not too late. Being consistent, that's the main
1: thing. So when you say yes, that's what you mean. When you say no, and you can say maybe, and they'll know, oh, they're thinking about it one way or the other. But they need to know, you know, yes or no isn't going to change. You've given that, that's your decision. But the maybe, we can work on it. Let's see how we go with that. But it's... You know, if you're not consistent, you're giving those mixed messages to the young children. They don't know where they're coming or going. They're mm-hmm. going all over the place. Same with teenagers. How they? How will they know? Mm-hmm. If you've done it all the time and you give in one minute and the next minute you're, you're heavy-handed about the same thing, I go, well, where's this be surprised. It's, It It's all a game about mirroring, isn't it? It's all about guidance. It's na- making sure as adults... We take stock of ourselves first and how we respond, not to not to our kids, but to everybody else. I mean, you get people, I mean, it makes me laugh. You're queuing in the supermarket, so especially now, Christmas time, it's a busy supermarket. You get people huffing and puffing in the supermarket because this poor cashier isn't going fast enough. I mean, God, she's probably been working four hours doing hundreds and hundreds of things. I go, oh, why can't she hurry up a bit more? Look Look at this queue in front of me. And and I just laugh. I just think, what is wrong with you? <laughs> you know,
0: I know, but you get people like that. They're so wound up, you know. So true. So true. There's things, it, it goes back to there's things that we can control and there's things that we just we can't control. And so being in a line like that, you just have to take deep breaths and say, you know, I need to buy these groceries. This is this person is doing the best that they can. And have a have a conversation
1: with someone. You know, you're talking to someone. Have a be lighthearted, make a joke. So.
0: It makes such a big difference. You know, just being kind, right? Yes, and, and it doesn't really take. That much uh, time. I want to circle back to when you said, like, waking up in the morning. Yes. I, I teach communic- yes. communication classes, like in healthcare. So I teach at the hospital um, to help, you know. Healthcare providers build rapport, you know, or build better communication. And so, one of the first steps I say is do small talk before the big talk. So, like going back to what you were saying, and I I didn't want to forget to mention this: in the morning, do a little small talk, you know, before then you start getting into we need to have breakfast, we need to get changed, brush our teeth, you know, blah blah blah. It's like have a little small talk before that big talk, and I bet your mornings, your evenings, it, it it'll more balanced and more harmony I love the word harmony that uh, that you see on your website
1: yeah I mean what I used to use in the nurseries and I brought into the family homes you know the images of the smiley face and how you're doing and before we did any work with the children and the nurses would sit down and we'd say right who's feeling like this which face are you on and it gives them a time to say oh, I'm like this well what's happened you've Grumpy or you're tired. Well, what happened to you? And they they start opening up and telling you things. And you can do that at home as well with youngsters, like, how are you feeling? You know, pick a face, they go like that, and then they'll say, Well, what do you think my face is like? And they go grumpy face or whatever. So it, it it's sharing, it's it's learning that, you know, it's okay to be grumpy, it's okay to be angry. These are all emotions, mm-hmm. but it's just how you um control them what you what you do you know if you're if you're feeling aggressive go out for a walk you know get run off that energy or have a punch bag and you know I mean I had a special needs child he was a beautiful boy and um, he used to say to me sometimes he had lots of other conditions health conditions as well and he said sometimes I wake up Kathy and he was only what 10 and I feel I've got an evil person inside me. I went, what? Who said oh. that? And it's his dad was saying. That. And I said, why do you feel like that? He said, because sometimes I feel really horrible. So I'm horrible to mum and I get angry. And then other times he doesn't. So I said, I think we need to get one of those punchy bags. So I said, when you feel like that and you get out of bed, you can pretend that that person is there, that nasty person, and then you can punch it and say i don't want you to be in there so he loved it he just got into it and then he got that anger out and then he was fine you know for the rest of the day and his mum said god the difference it made and he was oh he was always curious the cat had these lovely whiskers and he trimmed them oh no cut them off. but he hadn't hurt the cat the cat was fine she used to sit on him and want to be and i and the dad said look what he's done there and i said um Is the cat frightened of him? I said, because the cat's sitting on his lap and purring with him. He didn't hurt her. I said, did you ask him why he did it? And then he said, no, I just, I said, ask him. And he said, I thought it was the cat's whiskers would grow back like my hair when I have my hair cut. But I said, yeah, but it's taken a longer time. You probably don't see it as much, you know, probably it will grow back, but it'll say taking a long time. And then I explained to him, I said, did you tell him why the cat's whiskers? Have whiskers like that and does it? All. I don't know. So I told him about if they go through small cracks, their whiskers are smaller. And if they haven't, you know, that's why, because they're like fingers, they feel, they feel the things in the dark. And uh, he had this thing, he had a thing called uh what's it called? Widgets. I don't know if he had knew them over there. Oh, yeah. And the flicking, and he had something like 30 of them, all different ones. Wow. And the dad yeah. would not play with him. The dad had a child who, well, a daughter who was 25, and then they had Sebastian, the little boy, and um, Big Gap. And he couldn't, um, he couldn't accept that he had all these medical problems and everything. And um, so he took himself to the gym and he did things. He did his own business. So he was never there any when Sebastian was even going to bed. He was trying to avoidance all the time. Then when he took him out on his bike... Dad was in the racer bike with a Lycra, and he'd zoom on like an adult would. This little boy couldn't even work the pedals because of his condition. Yeah. So it was all this sort of thing. So I just said, no, this and that. So the mum was great, but she was, I mean, they've been together since they they were in their 50s. They've been together since they were 16, both parents, a long time. And you could see mum was thoroughly worn out. And I said, no, this can't go on, so... (laughs) I just grabbed Dad, So sit down there and this is what you're going to be doing for now. And months later he said, I thought Kathy was mad when she said all this, but she got me to do stuff. And I said, right, for a start, I'm sitting on this settee with your wife. You're sitting on a chair and there's a three-seater settee and your son's sitting there. Move your backside over to your son. All he wanted was Daddy him. And then yes. I said, now we're going to play with these widgets so he said, what? So he gave me these widgets and he gave his dad his favourite one. It was a gold one with all sorts of jewelry bits on it. And the dad's going, what's this? What do I do with that? And he's going, you have to just flick it like this. And he went, oh, this is ridiculous. I said, well, you're going to sit there as long as it takes yeah. to play with him. And he said, and he said, he was doing it for about an hour and I just said, That's what you've got to do. You've got to engage with your son. And over time, their relationship completely improved.
0: And what I love about that story is that these were simple changes. We don't have to do big, dramatic changes in order to build that relationship with our kids. It's simple, like sitting closer, playing with them, etc. So I just really appreciate you being here today on the show so many wonderful pearls I always like to end the show just saying is there what is there a key point or a take-home message or something even you haven't mentioned yet that you would like to share as we wrap things up well I think first of all to be kind to yourself as mom and dad look after
1: yourself right Give yourself quality time and space because not only do your children need that quality time, you need that to nurture yourself. Yes. So make yes. some form of quality time per day. You know, don't watch your television so much. Take some time to do something else.
0: Yes, you know, yes. And
1: don't do it with a mobile phones. Do something more constructive and reliable, you know, for yourself. Um, yes. As I said before, don't compare yourself to other parents because... No. Everyone who becomes a parent, we can read all these books beforehand, but nothing works out like in those books. It's like these television series, you know, you see these adverts and all the parents are smiling, the children are clean and all well presented <laughs> and tidy and everything's all hunky dory. Nah, I haven't found that. What's that? I mean, we don't, we don't, we forget when we're poorly. I mean, that's the first thing that hit me was when I got a hell of a cold. And up to that point, before I had my kids, I could go to bed, I could sleep all day if I want, look after me. All of a sudden, no, you've got a streaming cold. You've got to get yourself up to look after your children, see to their needs, breastfeed them, do whatever you need to do. It is so hard work being a parent. So don't beat yourself up. You'll get there. Just take small steps. And if you need to ask for help, Don't feel embarrassed because we've all been there. Ask for help. That's why we have people out here to help.
0: Yes, like yourself. And I really appreciate that. That is such good advice because I'll tell you, I always said I even though I'm a pediatrician, if my kids read all the books, I'm I I may I I'm not a perfect parent because of that. So well, I just want to thank you so much and um, I really appreciate you because as parents, as children, we're all just growing up together. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Growing Up with Dr. Sarah. If you enjoyed this episode and think the information shared here today could benefit someone else, take a screenshot of the episode and post to your Instagram story. Make sure you tag us at growingupwithdrsarah.com so we can spread the word about the show and continue to grow in our mission to support as many parents and families as possible. Hey, if you're interested in being a guest on the show or would like to suggest a topic, please visit www.growingupwithdrsarah.com contact. Thanks again for spending time with us today. Stay tuned for a brand new episode next week as we continue to grow up together.